Hello and welcome to Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact in our area. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Two groups on today's program coming up in the second half of today's show. I'll be speaking with an award-winning medical student about her journey becoming a doctor and also how she has used her skills to help others in the nonprofit world. But we start off with a group called Where Are You Outreach. Letitia Owens is their founder and president. How are you doing today? I am doing fantabulous. Thank you for asking. <laughs> well, uh, we met at a meeting a couple of weeks ago, and uh, another colleague actually kind of set us up. So you're here, and I'm glad that you're here. This is a fascinating organization. You guys are doing a lot of different stuff, uh, but we need to know exactly who you are and what this organization is. So what does Where Are You do? Well, Where Are You is a homeless organization founded by myself where we serve the homeless. Uh, there was a time where I lived in my car, and I understand what being homeless means, what it looks like, what it feels like. And so going through the process of living in my car, uh, the Lord gave me a vision sharing with me that that was going to be my new life. My new purpose was to give back to the homeless community. So we started the organization Where Are You Outreach, and my husband and I, we pick the homeless up now regularly uh, on a monthly basis, pick them up and take them to the restaurant 1011 Grill, which is downtown Dallas, and we serve them. We provide food, clothing, resources, and a whole lot of love. So whenever you're going to start doing something like this, especially opening up your own nonprofit, yes. uh, you usually have some experience, but not for everyone. So did you have experience with service before you started? Where are you? Well, the... Experience that I had, I worked at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship Church where I was over the couples ministry and the singles ministry. And so I did know how to serve. I knew how to put events together and I knew how to bring people together and enjoy one another. So I took those same strengths and I believe that was why the Lord allowed me to have those positions because he was setting me up for the opportunity to serve the homeless because it was so easy and being able to bring those people together. I knew how to coordinate volunteers. I knew how to plan things that were exciting and life-changing, I thought, or could somewhat enhance joy or bring hope. So that's what we do with the homeless. And uh, learning from the church definitely educated me on how to serve and be a vessel to bring joy and laughter to those people. Working with couples and, and providing that kind of help is very different it's from very different. what you're doing. Not, <laughs> I, I'm sure that you can definitely use both skills. Yes. I'm absolutely sure that you do. But those are very different things. Did, very you, did you kind of feel surprised by the switch that you made in your life to, to helping people that are homeless as opposed to people that are just having some troubles with their significant other? Well, definitely, I never thought that I would be in that situation where I would be homeless and would have to take those skills of maintaining uh, sanity, uh, figuring out how to just live from day to day. Those things were definitely not uh, areas of life that I had to familiarize myself with on a regular basis. But being the fact that I was able to minister to couples, I was able to listen to them, hear their issues, uh, somewhat find out how to go to the word and give them some wisdom and some direction. We're doing that the same. We're doing those same kind of things with the homeless. We are definitely bringing them to the word, sharing with them hope, and then also showing them provision. So those were the same things we were doing with those people. It was just, you know, different uh, resources that we would provide. It seems like 
So you're providing a lot of service. You're, yes. you're, you have tons of events that you're having yes. all the time, which we'll talk about. And each event is unique and kind of provides a unique service to these people that desperately need it. But uh, you're talking a lot about communication. You're talking yes. about just the interaction that you have with these people as human beings. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times the homeless don't have that interaction with anyone. That's They're true. not treated as equal human beings. So is that kind of the driving force behind the organization or is there something else? That is the driving force. And the thing about it is when you are homeless, a lot of people see you as a throwaway. In other words, why would I take the time to have a conversation with you? I don't really have the time to figure out what your issues are or what you need. So what I'll do is I'll drop you a dollar or I'll give you what I can at that moment. Some people. But then the thing about it is once you have lived in your car and once you have tried to figure out what to do and where to go, then you realize these people need help. So that was my mindset. I wanted to do more. I wanted to find out their story, how they got there, and then how I could assist them with coming out of that process. Was that always a part of the organization or did that part kind of evolve once you started setting everything up? Because I I think it would be easy to say we need to get some blankets and some shoes and some food and some water. And if they get those things, they'll probably be pretty good. But that's obviously not what you have seen. So when did that kind of develop? Well, from day one, actually, the very first event, because like I said, prior to me even doing the event, I had been praying about it, asking the Lord, how do I do this? What is it that you want me to do? And when I lived in my car, I remember writing down the words that I was thinking about. And it was words like, where do you go? What are you going to do? How do I make it? What are some things I should even be focusing on at this time to get me out of that situation? So when I started the events, my mindset was, let's go answer those questions that I was asking when I was living in my car. So starting those processes with the events, it came natural to me because I knew how I felt. I knew what I needed and what I would have liked to have received from others if I could. So I wanted to provide that. Let's talk about the origins of Where Are You Outreach. You said that a lot of this started, you had a background in service, yeah. but a lot of this started because you yourself found yourself homeless. That's correct. Okay, so how how did that kind of develop and, and how did you get out of that situation? Well, the thing about it is prior to me being homeless, because I had worked at the church, I was serving a lot of people in Dallas, Texas. The homelessness for me began in Atlanta. I moved to Atlanta uh, thinking that I had a place to stay and found out that I didn't when I arrived there. So that left me in my car. And in that process, I really just spent a lot of time evaluating what was going on with me. I didn't know why. And I even would ask the Lord, why am I here? And he really wouldn't give me an answer. He just kept telling me to write it down. And that's all I did. I just wrote down every situation, every experience. And then I got a call. I was, you know, living there in my car, riding around in the city. I would make friends with strangers like at a Starbucks or at a Target or a mall, just trying to pass the time. But then I would get a call from Dallas. I got a call once from Priscilla Shire, who is the star of War Room. She called me and asked me what I do makeup for her because prior to me, Uh, Moving to Atlanta, I served a lot of people. So any service that I could provide, I was a makeup artist, I was a hairstylist, interior decorator, anything dealing with transformation. So she had asked me what I do her makeup. So she had me come back to Dallas. I served her here. And then Fred Hammond, who's also a gospel artist, asked me to come and redesign his recording studio. 
Well, in the process of me serving those two people, I also was still trying to figure out a way I could serve back in Dallas. So I partnered up with a young lady who was doing a pajama drive. Well, I came and served her at the pajama drive. And while I was talking to her, she asked me what I had done. And the only thing I could think of is how I had served Fred and Priscilla. And with Fred, I had not only helped him redesign his recording studio, we had done some music together. I had literally taken the words that I had been writing down while I was in my car and let him read those words. He turned around and started singing it as if it were a song and said, you know what, we should do something together with this. Well, that was mind-blowing because he's a gospel artist. He's a uh, an award-winning artist, and he's asking me to do a song with him. But that birthed the whole process of me getting the outreach exposed because once I did the song, everybody wanted to hear the song. They wanted to know, how did I do a song with Fred Hammond? Like, how did he choose you? And I'm thinking, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so how how long were you in the car for when you were in Atlanta before you actually got back to Dallas and things started rolling and, and, and turning into a better situation for you? Well, let's see. I got to Atlanta in October. By March... Of 2013, that's when I was asked to come back. So okay. from the time I got to Atlanta, from the time I was called to come back to Dallas, Texas, I had been living in the car. Okay. So these notes that you were writing down that turned into a song that kind of helped forward your mission, do you still do you still have that? Do I still, still have it. Do you still have like the writing, the original writings have, you have? Oh, yes. I had to because it's, it's changed my life. So what what do you do with them? Do you have them like in your desk at work? Like what have you done with those things? Well, that's the song that he and I had written together. The song is called Where Are You? And again, that's where the whole name of the outreach came from. Because when you're living in your car, that's what you're asking. Where are you, Lord? Where are you, friends? Where are you, finances? Where are you, gas money? Because I was living in my car. So I was needing these things. And sure enough, I had a few dollars to get me started. But my plan was to stay with someone to branch off and then look for a job and do these things. But the process takes your mind somewhat when you start living in your car. You're not thinking the same way. So when I hear people talk about mental instability, I get that. Because when you're in your car, your mind changes. You're like in survival mode. You're like, what do I do next? So the Where Are You song came from those words that I wrote down. So I would always go back to those words prior to talking to Fred. But when he said, let's do some music together, those were the words that I showed him. And he said, this is a song. And that's how it came about. Letitia Owens is the founder and president of Where Are You Outreach, their website, whereareyououtreach.org. You do a lot of education as part of your mission. Uh, You educate people on the kind of situations that the homeless are in and the things that they experience. Now, I I would think that since you had experience with this, you're able to do that in, in in a very unique way. But also something that you said kind of stands out at me is that I think that a lot of people have a bad outlook on homeless people, like it's their fault. Now, you had all kinds of things going for you. So you were able to do interior design. Mm -hmm. You were able to do makeup. You were Mm -hmm. able to sing. You have these things that you're able to do that people get paid for. That's correct. But you still found yourself in this situation. So the idea that this can happen to anybody, is that something that you try and tell people that is really true? I tell that often. And also what I do now is I allow some of the homeless who've overcome come back and tell their story. How did you even get into this situation? And a lot of the audience, the audience is blown away because 
sometimes they hear their situation that just hadn't happened to them yet. Mm-hmm. In other words, it could sometimes it's a loss of a family member, whoever was the main provider for the family, and then they're trying to figure out how to provide for their family, and then it turns into a situation where their finances may not be able to uh, uphold what they were used to living like, and then they end up losing everything. So it's different processes. Some people are homeless because they choose to be. I tell this story all the time about the couple who lives in a tent who do that purposely to send their kids to college. They have decided that the dream for their children is bigger than their lifestyle, so they minimize their living in order for them to save the funds because they didn't want their kids graduating with bills and and those loan repayments. So they decided they were going to sacrifice. And to live in a tent, uh, they go to work. They, you know, they're able to maintain their lifestyle that they live in that tent. However, it's a form of homelessness. You know, they have a that's what they consider home. But for the person on the outside looking in, they would say, well, why are they doing that? Why would they live in a tent? But there are a lot of people who make those kinds of sacrifices because of expenses or different things that are going on because they are trying to serve others. Did you find those things surprising the more you learned about this, where people get where there's there really are a lot of different levels to homelessness and people don't really think about that. Mm -hmm. Some people have jobs, like you're saying, and they're still homeless. Some people choose to be homeless. Some people, you know, they're right on that edge. And there's a lot of people listening right now that they might not know it, but they're right on that edge and they can easily find themselves in this kind of situation and then they would need help. But they don't really think about it because, like you said, it hasn't happened to them yet. Yes. So is it important for you to make sure that people really understand that this could happen to anybody? It can happen to anybody. And what I also need them to hear, Nick, is when they're Thinking about homelessness, it's not sometimes somebody just on the street begging or having a can outside. There are literally families that are trying to figure out where to go, and it can happen at any time. Some people do live paycheck to paycheck, so all it takes is a loss of one paycheck to pay that bill or to pay that apartment, that mortgage, or whatever it is that can cause them to be on the street. I know shelters that I have worked with that really didn't understand homelessness. They felt like because they were providing a shelter that there aren't people that live under a bridge or on a, in a mattress. So sometimes when they see those pictures, they're blown away. They're like, that exists here? Mm. They're thinking they're just coming out of their situation straight into the shelter. That's not always the case. Some people live years on the street because they can't get the help. Or sometimes the shelters are so filled with these people, there's not enough space for them. There are not enough programs to help them. It's not set up for a person that becomes homeless. There's not a 911 process that we can help rehabilitate them back into the world of what we call natural living. Let's talk about how this operation kind of runs itself. It seems to me like there's pretty much two different main things that you focus mm-hmm. on. You, you focus on picking people up and kind of setting these events yes. uh, in motion and, and getting people what they need depending on the time of the year and yes. so on and so forth. But also hooking them up with partner organizations to make sure they get the things uh, that they need that you're either not providing yes. or somebody's better at doing this than you are because that's their specific expertise. Yes. So are, would you say those are the two things that kind of run this organization? 
Yes, sir. I would definitely say that. And the thing about it is we have to come together. There are some things that our organization provides, but we partner. One of them is Anthem Strong Families. They provide the resources to help educate, uh, finances, sometimes housing. They take them to a whole nother level that our organization isn't able to yet, just because right now we're still at the place where we're providing resources, but we're more so the resource connector. Hmm. When we know of an organization that provides specific things, then we bring them to our event to then sit with them, talk to them. Uh, Our ultimate goal is to have our own emergency transitional housing facility. That is our big vision. So that's the, because that was going to be my next question. It was kind of leading me right into it. So this is where you're at now. How long have you guys been around? When did you guys start? We started four years ago. Four years ago. Four years ago, April. Okay. All right. So you, you, are doing this thing now where you're kind of using different spaces to have these events and you're pushing people to other organizations that do really good work. But what you're saying is that you kind of want to start to become that organization yes. where people can can come and receive the help there. So is it a shelter type organization that you want to start or is it one of these kind of job placement, uh, training, education type facilities that people can come in and learn the things they need to move on with their lives? What is kind of the grand vision that you have for where are you? Well, you said it best. You said the grand vision. In other words, it is what I call elephant big. It's huge. Okay. <laughs> so it's all these things. It is a hospital. It is a daycare. It is a training facility. It is an entrepreneur program. It is a uh, basically a building that supplies the need of a person that was considered a throwaway and retransforming them with every idea, every aspect of whatever shortcoming that they had and providing it to them with the backing of supporters, other organizations who have said, you know what, we're going to join with you, we're going to partner with you, and we're going to do all that we can to take these people and reestablish them to society again. Let's talk about the people that you are helping. Does yes. this organization kind of focus on individuals, on families, male, female, children? Who is kind of your main customer, let's say? Well, I would have to say right now our main customer are men and women. Now, majority of the time when we're picking the people up from the street, we're going to find men. We're going to find some women. We get some children because a lot of the shelters don't allow the children to be on the streets. Now, there are some other organizations that provide services for young people. We will partner with them as well. But we deal with those people who really don't have a place to go. Like the shelters, they'll take in what they can. But there are some people that are just wandering, living under a bridge or in a corner or behind a building, we go find those people and we pick them up and we bring them there because we're trying to revive hope and remind them that they're not forgotten about. So that brings up another big question. Where are you finding these people? Because you know, they it, it's all over the city. It it's is. anywhere and everywhere. It is. But that doesn't really help you when you're actually trying to physically go out and find people so that you can help them. So do you focus on certain areas of the uh, of Dallas or of the county? We focus Everywhere we know there is homelessness. And that's the thing. When you are in the world of homelessness, everybody shares with you where they are. So it's like hotspots, basically. Oh, definitely. Definitely. There are hotspots everywhere. And that's the thing about it is a lot of them are in hiding because the city doesn't necessarily want the exposure of their living. Because sometimes if they have a mattress outside or if they have a tent or if they have things that they're using to survive, that's not attractive. It's not pretty to drive by and see their things out on the freeway 
or up under a bridge or what have you. So that's not, they try not to expose those things. They allow them to go to certain areas where they feel like it's not as much traffic or it's not too many complaints about the area, but they are all over Dallas. They are in Frisco. They are in Plano. They are in Oak Cliff. They're in North Dallas. They are everywhere. So you guys are based in Dallas, but I mean, you're really going the Metroplex. Yes, that's why we got our van, because we wanted to be able to connect these homeless people with all the resources that we could from all over Dallas. I saw on your website, which is whereareyououtreach.org, that you guys were trying to fundraise for two vans. Yes. It said that you you said you got we one. We received one. Yes, okay. the Lord blessed us with one. We're okay. so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so has that really transformed how you guys kind of operate? Was that, Definitely. Was that huge? Yes, it was huge because, you know, we were caravanning. We would get five or six cars together, line up, follow each other, and just go pick up. And they're so used to me now. I, uh, the people can't see me on the radio, but my hair is blonde and red. So they would say, you know the lady with the colorful hair? She's going to pick us up. That helps. All right. Take a calling card. Yeah. That's good. Um, all right. So let's talk about the process of, of picking the people yes. up. Because you have events that happen monthly, correct? Yeah, that's correct. All right. So once a month, you're going to go out in the Metroplex. Uh-huh. And you're going to find people, and you're going to take them to... 1011 Grill. 1011 Grill is our main partner. They are a restaurant that we partnered with four years ago, and they open up their restaurant to us once a month. They allow us to come in to serve the homeless. We provide the food. We provide all the resources. They just give us the space. They say, hey, we're allowing you to come in and do your thing. We want to provide... This is how they're giving back to us, by just allowing us to use their facility. So then if we're not in our well prior to getting the vans like i said we would meet at 1011 grill in the parking lot and then we'd say okay this is the area we're going to go to sometimes we pick up from other shelters sometimes we pick up from different neighborhoods depending on where we're going to go or if sometimes they reach out to us because a lot of times i have the you know my number where they can call me at any time and they'll say hey we're going to be here this weekend so if you guys are having something can you come pick us up and we'll go hey we got you we're picking you up oh so people can call you people that are in trouble can give you a call directly and yes. say, I'm going to be here. Will you please come help me? Yes, definitely. That's what we do. That's Our number was made for 911, whether it be whether they're needing resource connect, whether they need a pickup ride to have us take them somewhere or just to our events. That's why we wanted the van because we wanted to be able to do it in quantity because, you know, five or six cars is good on a Saturday morning, but we do it outside of the day that we do our events. When Mm. people need a ride somewhere that are homeless, we come and get them. So uh, for when you're having these monthly events, what is a good just ballpark number on the amount of people that come in uh, to receive your services? Well, on a monthly basis, when we pick up for our restaurant events, the facility can hold about 150 people. So we usually pick up about 75 of the homeless and then the rest are the volunteers. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So there's actually a good mix of volunteers oh, versus yeah. people that need that need help. Because sometimes that can get lost. You know, you could have five people trying to help 150 But that's not what you're trying to do. No, when I tell you my volunteers show out, they are so committed. And that's the thing, like you were talking about the education. When we first started this outreach, I dealt more with the volunteer than I did the homeless. They just got a chance to see that if I was teaching them how to love them, that made them excited. It made the homeless excited that I was teaching an outside person how to love them. Mm. So in other words, my focus was more about the volunteer. Let's make sure we're communicating compassion. Let's make sure we're really listening. Let's make sure we're taking the time to find out what this person actually needs. Well, that was drawing that volunteer in to coming and doing 
doing more where the homeless person was saying, man, she's doing this, showing those people how to love us. I want to come again. I'm enjoying this. So I took the focus really off of the homeless per se and talked to the volunteer directly to their heart and why we were even doing this. So that's how you ran. So that's how you run things as as the leader of this organization, Correct. as opposed to. And of course, you lead by example. But what you're really doing is training other people to do what I'm doing, what you're doing yeah. so you can have more people doing it. Yes, that's the whole point. I mean, I'm one person and this is all over the world. But, you know, if you can show a person how to not think of something as hard and big or they focus on the negative of the thing, then they're going to be apt to not do it or find reasons why they shouldn't. But if you're showing them the benefit and and communicating the outcome of transforming someone's life by the love you provide, you're going to be more committed to that. So when you get these monthly events together, it's not just the same thing every no. time. You guys have a laundry list yes, we do. of different services <laughs> that you're providing, baby showers, uh, you laughter for the soul, which is I'm not sure how that event works, but I know it's to get shoes. Yes, yes. What we did was we brought in comedians for the audience. We brought the comedians in. That was the laughter part. Okay. And so laughter for the soul. So it made you want to come and see the comedian. You knew we were going to be laughing, but you had to bring shoes to get a seat. That's good. (laughs) That's really good. All right. So back to school stuff fashion shows so is it important you to have unique things happening so that volunteers and the people that are there can feel good and it's not just you know that that standard kind of soup kitchen looking vibe is that is that kind of what you're shooting for well again working at the church when i worked at the church and we created those volunteer experiences and those events our mind was always trying to get more community involved how to get more people involved with serving and giving back so i took those same tools because we would do themed events. When I was over the couples and singles, I would do themed events for them. Well, I saw that worked. So I thought, well, you know what? The homeless need those same things. We can just use these themes to get people saying, oh, I have shoes. Or, you know, when we do the homeless baby shower, I have some baby items that have just been sitting in the closet. Let me take them. So when you are able to speak to their heart and communicate what we're needing for somebody that doesn't have it, then they get more excited about coming and bringing it out. We're talking a lot about volunteers, but we need to figure out how people can volunteer with Where Are You? So are you looking for volunteers right now? And if you are, what would people be doing? I am always looking for volunteers. And let me tell you what we do. With the volunteers, we have people that provide food on a regular basis. So these people cook the food, they bring the dishes, or they supply the packaged items for the homeless, uh, the volunteers. We also have a free shopping experience at our events. Now, what that looks like is we organize all the volunteers. They organize all the things that have been donated or delivered in a fashion where we assign them to a personal shopper. A personal shopper is a volunteer. But what they do is they take a homeless person by the hand and say, hey, let's go shopping. We're going to come over here to this area and we're going to find out what you need because we are trying to really push serving not just for them to come and feel like, oh, here they, you know, they're just giving us something and they're sending us back on the way. No, we want them to understand they are loved and we are committed to reminding them that they're not forgotten about. So any way we can go the second mile to do more for them than they're expecting, that's what we want to do. I don't care what it is, even if it's food, like we don't allow lines 
every volunteer has to come and ask them what would they like, and we serve them dishes. They're not, they don't get to stand in the line and wait. We're, we're trying to go the second mile to show people, if you were in this situation, how would you want somebody to treat you? Yes, you're going to be thankful for somebody even giving you a line to get in, but why do we have to do that when there's so many of us here to serve? I never would have thought about that. The idea of no lines, and and that just helps you establish a more personal relationship with somebody. Definitely. It just allows them to feel, again, they were that important. They're not necessarily, and they're in a restaurant. So let's treat them as if they were a paying customer and allow them to come in and be served. We would seat them. We would ask them what would they like. We would come back and check on them. And then the additional thing is we provide the resources. So we're now not only serving them food, but now we're finding out what do you need? How can we help you? And if there's a resource there, we're going to connect you with that. If there's something we can give you, we're going to provide that. Again, we're just trying to teach doing more than we could just for the person that just thinks of something. Okay, let's throw this event together. No, I want it bigger than that. It has to touch the heart of the person because we're trying to revive someone who is broken. Where Are You Outreach features monthly service events. You can find out more on their website at whereareyououtreach.org or give them a call at 972-885-9296. Letitia Owens is our founder and president. Thank you very much for I your like time today. I like how you say my name, Letitia Owens. <laughs> <laughs>